there's no doubt that the old politics of the two-party system is now gone and over. I don't need lectures from you or anybody on, on the Sinn Féin side of the house. We're very reluctant to kind of say what's red lines, but, but we do have to take climate seriously. There's going to be constant criticism, there's going to be a lot of disappointment, and whoever goes into government is going to be unpopular. Okay. Hello again, welcome to Your Politics, our political podcast coming to you from RTE's Leinster House studio. I'm Anya Lawler, this wet and snowy Thursday afternoon with me in our cosy little cubbyhole is Sandra Hurley, Paul Cunningham, and coming in to join us, David Murphy. Um, it's certainly cold outside, but it's been stormy inside and here, hasn't it, uh, Sandra? And the whole question is, of course, that decision on the eviction ban. I suppose you could say from the government's point of view, the can wasn't kicked down the road this time. Mm-hmm. Yes, they certainly took a decision. They've had to row behind it and insist it is the right decision. A difficult one, according to the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar. And he has also said they know it's going to be difficult to defend But they are insisting that if they had extended the eviction ban, it would have made things worse in the medium to long term by pushing more landlords out of the market. Now, the opposition all united saying it was absolutely the wrong call, that there's going to be a massive increase in homelessness, a tsunami of homelessness, according to the Social Democrats. So the government, I think, has really been on the defensive over the past couple of days. And today in particular, I was struck that you had the Taoiseach in one part of Leinster House, also the Thánaiste and the housing minister all trying to hold the line here. And they are holding the line for now. They're saying they're not going to reverse the decision, but they are under sustained pressure from the opposition. And I don't think that's going to let up, even though the doll is going to go into recess, because we know when it comes back, we're going to have this doll vote. And then also the date for the expiry of the eviction ban is going to be looming closer, which means the numbers, the homelessness numbers are going to be watched very closely. And the question was asked by Green TD Nasa Harrigan, because she said in her constituency, all the hotels, all the bed and breakfast, she said they're full. She said, where when this ban ends, where will those who are evicted, where will they go? And that's something, a question which has been raised by journalists. Morning Ireland, that question was being put to ministers, it, probably by yourself. And it was being put by Pierce Doherty to Micheál Martin today. And he had a particular case, which was a local authority letter, um, which said that there wasn't to a parent with two kids to say that there wasn't any hotels, there wasn't any emergency accommodation. And the best thing you could do was to, for a safe place to stay was to present yourself to your local guard station. So that seems to be um, the option which has been presented to people right now. And that's before the ban itself has actually faded away. The government response to this is that um, keeping the ban would only make the situation worse. So even though we're in a terrible situation which people are facing crises just like that, if you retain the ban, it's only going to get worse. More landlords are going to leave the market. Fewer rental places are going to be available. Rents are going to go up and the situation is even worse. I think what the, the crux of it, though, the bit that I don't quite get, is that the government knew when it introduced the ban towards the end of October that it could end come March. So one would imagine that it would have been some contingency plan, which was, or scenario play, if we end the band, mm-hmm. what are we going to do? What measures are we going to have ready to go to be able to ameliorate the crisis? Because this issue of increasing homelessness would be a yeah. consequence of it. And what we have annou- had announced on Tuesday was a number of measures, but they're longer term. And so this is to a certain extent, it strikes me, as a crisis of their own making. And just on those mitigation measures, David, because, you know, in terms of tax breaks or whatever for landlords, we're told Michael McGrath will be looking at all of this in terms of the budget. So that's the autumn. And in terms of, you know, 
people who are renting and having the option to buy or local authorities or housing bodies stepping in. There may need new legislation and we don't have a budget line identified yet. So what does that say about the level of preparation into this decision? Well, there's a few things. I think in the first instance, it's interesting making the comparison between this decision and the decisions around the cost of living measures. We knew the cost of living measures were all going to expire at the end of February. Government was well aware of it. It said there's going to be no cliff edge in relation to this. What they did was uh, we knew that there was um, the lower rates of tax on petrol and diesel. They were going to expire and the government basically tapered them out. So there wasn't going to be that cliff edge. Mm -hmm. They also extended the VAT cut for the hospitality industry. So they were well prepared. And as soon as they made the announcement, the changes were made to take effect with this. Something seems to have happened whereby the indications coming from government buildings during Monday was that this ban could be extended, but perhaps the exemptions would be expanded. Then on the night when it came to the meeting of the three coalition party leaders, Eamon Ryan, Micheál Martin, Leo Varadkar and the Minister for Housing, Darrow O'Brien, something changed and perhaps it was the influence of the legal advice which effectively said, if you are going to extend this ban, you need to have evidence that it is going to improve things. And we know that the numbers of people who are homeless were going up. And we also know that the number of landlords exiting the market is increasing. So by extending the ban, there was the concern that more landlords would exit the market. There would be a reduction in terms of accommodation. And then, as Paul mentioned there, things could get worse and rents could go up. So that's the there seems to have been a change. And uh, then the government were in a situation whereby they had to come up with something to soften the yeah. blow but all of the bricks and mortar weren't in place to be able to say this is happening right now. This big, big measure is going to happen right now to address this. Instead, we had a number of smaller measures, smaller schemes, which are going to be incrementally increased, but not the kind of big step that would make you think, actually, that's going to help a lot of people immediately. So there's going to be a vote. When is it? The 22nd? So it looks as if... 21st, um, I yeah, think. No, Sinn Féin have confirmed that the uh, private member's bill will be brought to the Doyle on Tuesday the 21st, but the vote will be part of the block vote. So that mm. means it'll be happening on Wednesday evening. So there is going to be a vote on this. And we can see from the Doyle debate so far that, you know, Sinn Féin, Labour... SOC Dems, an awful lot of independents are going to be voting against. But the focus of attention inevitably will come back to those two Green TDs who did voice concern about that. That's Nessa Harrigan and also Patrick Costello. But the indications that I'm hearing is that um, they're not going to vote. They did vote against the government in the context of the moving of the National Maternity Hospital. But my guess is that this time they won't. So it looks as if the government may survive this, but in terms of a vote, but could how, how much, I was wondering about this today, how much of a defining moment do you think this decision on the eviction I think ban? it's a really big decision because we are going to have statistics, numbers, and they're going to be real people uh, faces attached to those numbers. That's yeah. all going to pan out over the next couple of months. The first statistics that reflect the lifting of the ban won't be available until the end of May. But if those monthly figures and the monthly figures uh, after that all illustrate a massive increase in homelessness that is going to be hugely damaging for the government and we have had the spectre raised again of people having 
being told that they're going to have to present to Garda stations because the emergency accommodation is full. And we know that that was really damaging in the past, seeing families who had to sleep in Garda stations. That is something nobody wants to see. Just one additional thing is I think... We now know that you're going to have that Sinn Féin debate and vote. The following week, as I understand it, there's also going to be um, time allocated by government for statements on the ban. So we're going to have two weeks of this. And I think within that, um, you're going to see a, 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 um, a deepening of this argument between Sinn Féin and indeed Social Democrats using very highly emotive language that yeah. this was a, a calculated decision by the government to force people into homelessness, that it is a cruel decision, that type of language. And the government trying to fi- fight back by saying this is a false narrative that it is we're siding with the landlords against ordinary people. And you saw that fight back coming from Liv Radker yesterday, from Michal Martin today. And so I think that the, the white hot mm-hmm. issue that we have is going to flow through the rest of the month. But the one thing, I mean, government and opposition Everybody agrees on this. It comes back to supply. <clears throat> and then we had Leo Varadkar, the Taoiseach, telling the Fine Gael Parliamentary part, Party that there's a deficit of a quarter of a million homes in this country. Now, even if the government way exceeds its targets for this year, it's a long time before you actually break that deficit, isn't it? Yeah, I think it was interesting, the Taoiseach's interview um, last night on the 6-1 News, because he did actually make some broader points that in a way, fill in some of the gaps. Like, uh, you know, the the builders went bust, the banks that lent to the builders went bust, the country went bust, and all of that at a time when the population was beginning to increase. And then we had the economy coming back and we had more people coming to live in Ireland and more people uh, returning to Ireland who were living abroad. All of those things while the house building was stalled. But I think having said that, with this decision, I think a lot of people are beginning to think now, was it actually the right decision to introduce the evictions ban in the first place? The interesting figure coming out during the week was the number of evictions which were stalled. Um, There were 2,700 evictions paused when they introduced the evictions ban. The other interesting aspect is how many have been stalled because of the evictions ban. The government haven't yet given a figure on that. Mm -hmm. So we don't know how much that is. But if, for example, um, there are uh, two people in each property, I don't know what it is, but if, let's say, for for example, I think there have been 1,400 queries to threshold from people worried about eviction during the time of the ban who've had notice. So that's a ballpark. So so that's that's a ballpark. But we could potentially be talking about thousands of people um, receiving evictions notices, and we don't know how many there are. And I think the next few weeks and months are going to be really telling. But there is a rule kind of in economics that, you know, you don't interfere in private markets unless you really know what the effect of that measure is going to be. I'm not so sure that the government realised what the full effect of this was going to be. But I think something that doesn't work for Fine Gael and for the Taoiseach, as David was mentioning uh, there, is to argue this old argument that they inherited a broken economy. And one of the, a Fine Gael prominent Fine Gael minister told me that one of the big mistakes they made in the 2020 general election is to once again make the point that in 2011 they inherited a broken economy. That argument is done and dusted because we are now over a decade past that and I don't think it cuts any mustard with the electorate. Fine Gael have been in power for a long time. The accusation from the opposition would be that they have had a long time to fix the housing crisis and to get the wheels in motion again. And against this backdrop, it turns out there there may be a delay in coming up with a, a wording on the uh, housing, proposed housing referendum. But we are going to be getting a referendum in the autumn. 
uh, in the late autumn, early winter on uh, the position of women in the home. Yes, finally. And if you cast your minds back to 2018, I was looking this up again today. Charlie Flanagan, the previous Justice Minister, announced a date. I think it was the 26th of October 2018. We were going to have this referendum. It got shelved because they felt they didn't have enough time. So this time they're hoping that they have a long enough run into it because we know that while it might be obvious and has been called for for a long time to delete what Ivana Batchik, the Labour leader, called sexist language from the Constitution. What do you replace it with? We know that this can be very contentious and we've seen this in the past. Even the children's referendum ran into big problems over how the government explained the arguments. The Supreme Court ruled against the government on that time. So Leo Radcliffe, the Taoiseach, when he was announcing this yesterday, said they are aware of the pitfalls. They want to take their time. They want to get this right. It's also going to be a test for the Electoral Commission. It's going to be involved in its first big open vote. It's replacing the referendum commission. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot at stake here to make sure that they do get the, the result over the line. Yeah, I mean, another consideration will be whether they hold one referendum, which, given that they're changing Article 40.1 and then 41.1.2.3.4, are you going to get one question or are you going to get three or four questions to vote on? That's just relating to gender equality, so complicated enough. And then do you throw in a second referendum? You know, uh, we've heard from the Taoiseach of Radcar that the... Um, My head is hurting already. Ireland, <laughs> wait, wait, you get this. Ireland's um, participation in the EU's patents court. I that's look forward to, to the thriller, debate think, which you, um, you no, but chair that, on that in one. In fairness, that's, that's a, a separate, technical separate, one and that has to go through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. we'll we, we park it, that one. But, but I'll to, tell you where my head point. is hurt. Yeah, go just on. Just to finish yeah. the point, which is that it is a consideration for government because if you put in two or three referenda to, referendums together, then one gets more coverage than the other. And that can either be a good or bad thing depending mm-hmm. if gender equality is the issue you're most uh, focused on. It's just whenever you start putting something into the Constitution, history suggests it's not that simple. And words, you know, what is a family? What is care? Mm-hmm. What does that mean in English? What does that mean in Irish? You know, yeah. and these things can, I mean, it's the rule with all referendums, isn't it? They're never what, about what they're actually about. But these things can, can certainly grow And some experts would legs. factor in the 25% of the electorate is going to vote no anyway. <laughs> so. I think we got an indication also from the Taoiseach today. He was in front of the Oireachtas Finance Committee and he was asked about the uh, referendum again and he suggested it might be limited to two amendments. One would be some general point about gender equality. The second one would be something around the scope of care. No mention of family, as you suggested there. That could be difficult to define. The danger, of course, with defining care is that it might create an entitlement in some way that the state would have to step in and ensure that care is provided. That might have a monetary cost. That is something would that... The, yes, exactly. And something that's been resisted, hasn't it? Yes. Quite, uh, very different iterations by the state over the years. Yeah, exactly. And I think that they are really aware of that. So I think I would expect something more general. But we have seen in the past that even when lawyers pour over this for a long time in advance to come up with the perfect wording, it doesn't always fly. All right. Uh, Paul, take me back to Chile in 1973 and why is it yes. relevant in terms of Irish politics? For those joining us on the cameras here will be able to see. Um, this is, just get it light up there, yep. Um, this is a case for left government getting rid of Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael and this was produced by People Before Profit. It's a 29-page A5 document and goes to an awful lot of the stuff we would have heard before, the reason for it um, and in particular the view from PBP that... Um, Parties on the left all too often 
end up acting as a sort of mudguard to Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael and their agenda is lost. So saying the only way you can get a true left government is to get rid of them altogether. But I suppose the bit that sort of caught everyone's eye, kind of what page is it now? Got my glasses on here, um, which is a terrible sign of old age. Yeah, on page 20, it begins to deal with, you know, the issues that yeah. there may be let's call it conspiracy theories, could be well, out there. if you did have an, a, a left, left-wing left government elected, isn't that the scenario? Exactly, here we go. That, yeah. that the people, evil people like Sandra here, they will use their control <laughs> over the media to turn a population against a left-wing government. Even the prospect of a Sinn Féin-led government has led to a barrage of propaganda from Irish Independent, Irish Times and RT against the party. Yeah. So that's the accusation. And it does go back to... Um, mentioned Chile in 1973 but also it mentions What happened in Chile in ni- like I'm, even I'm not old enough so to remember <laughs> all of this Come Well I was five in 1973 <laughs> but this was the idea that there was going to be a left-wing government under Allende and it was just basically taken out by the military hence the connection with uh, maybe the military the guards and their power over the media would be able to do that again but maybe a more salient point was that they look at what happened in the UK and they say what happened to Jeremy Corbyn and people were no longer listening to the argument he was just branded communist and on that basis he never got the chance to influence his party but to a certain extent there was I was asking a few um, people from PVP and it didn't seem to me that they all knew the 29 pages including that particular thing as well they defended it afterwards I'm not sure how much they were Had aware of it before it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Leo Varadkar was looking at this as well wasn't he he, he was talking to Richard Boyd Barrett about it on the door today he was slightly patronising and he was saying that um, he, he liked them these PVP people and they, thought, and they thought they were passionate and sometimes intelligent even though they disagreed on most he, he of things. He must be wooing them for a future coalition. Well, they, they, I mean, not quite because he finished off by saying but you know, you're all a bit bonkers, aren't you? So... Who's going where, by the way? Because we're going into recess now. That's the right. For a week. Yeah. Sorry, could I, I, sorry, just yeah. I should have said it. And um, Breed Smith was smiling and laughing with Richard Boyd Barrett while he was going through the motions, and then she came back with this nice little acid retort that she would rather be bonkers than be a Tory boy like Leo Varadkar. So there you went go. Cut both ways. That was the comedy and the thought today. Um, so who's going where, David? Because so they're all heading off week, for St Patrick's. They're Day. heading off for St Patrick's Day. Taoiseach Leo Varadkar is in. Washington, Taunton, Michal Martin, he's going to New York and Boston. There may be some interesting events in relation to the 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement in New York. Um, so that would be one to watch. Uh, Eamon Ryan is um, going to Singapore, China, Hong Kong, and they are long haul flights. Just There's worth a lot mentioning. of carbon. That's, that's what that's you're insinuating a, there. There's a lot of carbon. Um, All our son, Heron. Yeah. Michael McGrath, finance minister, he is going to Chicago and Toronto in Canada. Um, Pascal Donahue, minister for public expenditure and reform, he's going to Frankfurt, Cologne and Berlin. His Simon, friends in Frankfurt. Frankfurt, of course, uh, home of the ECB. Um, the people who are uh, bringing our interest rates higher and higher to try and deal with the inflation situation. It's worth bearing in mind, central banks, their main job is to stop inflation from getting out of control. Um, anywhere. Anyway, um, he'll be there in Germany. Uh, Simon Coveney, um, Minister for Enterprise, he is going all the way down to Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, Canberra and Perth. Norma Foley, Minister for Education, she's off to Philadelphia. Uh, Catherine Martin, Minister for the Arts, she's got a great gig. She's going to LA for the Oscars. So that will be interesting. And she's San, holding her own party. And San Diego. Told. 
And San Diego. Yes, good down the coast. Yeah, it's going to be great. Did you see the red carpets change colour? It's a kind of a champagne colour this time around in LA. They've changed the red carpet. I'm devastated. Oh. Yeah, it's yeah. a devastated. big deal. It's a big deal. There's a big story on the RT website. So you can check it out there. And uh, Darrow O'Brien and the person who's been in the headlamps this week, uh, he is going to Atlanta and Savannah. Heather Humphreys, Minister for Social Protection, she's off to London. And Charlie McConlogue, he's got a long haul. The tallest person in the cabinet is got the uh, longest haul of all. He's going to uh, Auckland, Wellington and Christchurch in New Zealand. Uh, Roderick O'Gorman, Minister for Integration, he's going to India. India. And uh, Stephen Donnelly is going to Canada. Simon Harris is going to San Francisco. Hildegard Nocton is off to Miami. I was... Uh, Dara is due to go to Atlanta and Savannah, which I believe is the largest St. Patrick's Day. Dara O'Brien, excuse yeah. me, has the largest St. Patrick's Day parade in the United States. It's absolutely massive. But um, the Labour leader, Vanna Bacic, was suggesting that maybe he should stay at home and try and work on measures um, in advance of the um, ban being lifted. Would that work? Would it deliver any more houses? Well, who knows? If we're talking about emergency measures, maybe you could. Um, but I do think that uh, there's a certain amount of paddywhackery about the St. Patrick's Day parades. I remember being one time with Eamon Ryan, I think it was in 2009 in San Francisco, to see the entire city brought to a halt and realise that's happening right across the United States. The political power it has and is the substantial. Value, and of course, you know, uh, Michal Martin, of course, famously never got the chance to meet Joe Biden uh, as Taoiseach. Yes. Uh, Leo Varadkar will be doing the same again. And there's a huge, huge amount of speculation and uh, prognostication about Joe Biden coming to Ireland. I have a feeling that if Joe Biden comes, it's not going to be a hit and run type of visit. I think that he may spend proper time here. You know, there's a lot of speculation about whether or not he might spend a little private time here as well. Um, and it could be a longer type of visit as opposed to a shorter one. But is that's he the word. Is he definitely coming? Well, we don't know. There's talk about people scoping out places. I do remember when Barack Obama came, we all knew that um, the o Obamas would be uh, visiting Dorky because there were eight Secret Service agents in Finnegan's <laughs> drinking sparkling water <laughs> up at the bar <laughs> in but plain clothes. And uh, they the kind of gave themselves away with the sparkling water. Yeah. Here's the thing. Will he get himself, Joe Biden, if he does come to Ireland and does spend some time here, is he going to get himself his own motorway plaza? Because that is, honest to God, one of the best monuments to a presidential <laughs> visit I have ever seen built anywhere in the whole wide world. That's, of course, a personal opinion. All right, on that we're going to leave it. Thank you all for listening to us. Um, and if you enjoyed your politics, uh, please uh, subscribe and follow. Good see on Zierdeen Shukugin. And we're in Galair. Slán Kafol.